be together, it really is, in the house of God. And uh, last week, I begun a two-part series called A New Perspective. And last week, for those who were here, just raise your hand if you were here, here last week, yesterday morning, many of you. Um, I spoke about a change of pace and a change of place that will bring a new perspective. I'm just going to ask you the question, I wonder if any of you have actually entered into the change of pace. Did anybody change the pace even throughout this week? I wonder if some people actually determined to change their place. It may have been a change of place where everything was wrong, everything was black, everything was dismal. You said, I no longer want that place. I'm going to enter into a new place. Well, if you did, then I want to encourage you in your pace and in your place to keep going for God. But what I want to do again this morning, because last week we encouraged you in this new perspective to just Get out of your seats for those who are physically able and just move around. And I'm going to ask you to do that again, if you will, because I just want you to help me with this series that I'm uh, going into and the morning of the new perspective, and we are going to get to that. So I wonder if you just change your seats, take your belongings with you, just move where you need to go to. If some of you have never sat on the front, come and sit on the front. If some of you have never sat on the back, come and sit on the back. You know, and just move, if you've never been from the left to the right, right to the left, just move around a little bit. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you very much. In a moment, I'm going to come back there. But before I do that, if you're just give me your attention, I'm just walking to the back here because I know we did, Phil, whilst we were away on holiday a number of weeks ago, did give a welcome to um, Chris and Leone's new baby. What I always like to do, and Phil leaves me to this, is little Reuben in here. Can I wake him up and just disturb him? I don't mean, mean to do that, but I'm gonna, just going to show him off if I can. Just, I don't want to, I'm well used to babies, of course, with having four. Look at this little one. Look at this little one. In here, cracker. Oh, my goodness. I always feel very, very broody. I do. There you go. Wonderful. That's awesome, isn't it? We need to just keep praying for our little kiddies, our little babies, those families, and we'll do that on Tuesday. But we just rejoice with you guys. We really do in your blessing of a little one. So we've all moved around. For those at the back, is it a little bit of a different perspective? Phil's over here. He's right at the back. I've never known that before. He's like the naughty kid on the back row, isn't he? Just ready to throw something. I used to always like sitting at the back, you know, because I was terrible with winding, particularly girls up in my classroom. And I was forever throwing things at the back of the head, chewing gum they'd have in their hair. Literally, I'd do all kinds of things and more disgusting things than that. So if ever there's a girl who listens to me on podcast and I did it to you, I apologize now, okay? I am very sorry if I ever did that. But there's a change of perspective that comes even as we just move around. 
But what I want to talk to us this morning about is important for us to understand a number of things. Because I really believe that Phil prophetically just spoke into something about a season. Because in this season, God is wanting to get our attention. He's wanting to bring a new perspective. He's wanting to bring a change. There are many people who uh, refer to Isaiah in chapter 43, where it says, God says, see, I am doing a new thing. See, I am doing a new thing. You see, we miss the new thing because we don't carry a new perspective. And I really believe that in this season, God is wanting to do a new thing. Another verse of scripture that I just want to refer you to and just to ground this whole thought of God doing something new is found in Matthew in chapter 9 and verse 17. Because Jesus began to speak about the issue of fasting and he made this reference. He says, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. Because if they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. You see, the point is this. If you pour something new into something old, then both the new and the old will be ruined. It says you can pour new wine into an old wineskin and the wineskin will burst, so that which is old will burst, but then what happens to the new wine? It just drains away. God is wanting to say to us in this time, he wants us to have a change of pace and a change of place. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just listen to the podcast because we haven't got time to go back there. Because he wants to bring us into a new perspective. He wants to take us into something new. Now, there's many times over my life I've heard messages like this and I've been impacted by them. But there's been many times when I've heard messages like this and I've been impacted by it, but I've done nothing with it. I really pray before the Lord that this doesn't happen this morning. Because what I've really sensed in my heart, and I've really struggled with this message, only because I've got so much that I want to say. And I think there's so much to say. And so it's been narrowing it down. God, in this half hour that I've got, what do you want to say this morning that will just set us up? Because God is wanting to take us into something new. God is wanting to take you into something new this morning, friend. He's wanting to do something new in your life. There's a new perspective. And we need to see the new things. Now in Isaiah 54, which I'd like you to turn with it, or if we can just get it on the screen in verse 2. If you've got your Bibles or electronic devices, just turn with me to Isaiah in chapter 54. Again, just a verse. We're not going to stay here, but I need to use this as a, as a basis, again, as a platform to just launch from into this new perspective. This is the word of the Lord to us. This has been a very significant word to us as Arena Church over the years and will continue to do so. And the more I read it, it becomes deeper in me. It says in verse 2, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. You will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. 
want to say that the Lord has been leading us over the number of years. And if you're new to Arena Church, please just stay with me. Because one of the words to us was about enlarging and stretching and lengthening. And that has certainly happened over the last two or three years. Very much so. There's been a sense in which we've lengthened, we've stretched out, we're believing for more than we've ever done before. There's, there's more people that we're touching than we've ever done before. There's more ministries that we've launched than we've ever done before. There's more into the community that we've done than we've ever done before. There's more buildings that we've ever owned or rented than we ever have before. There's been a a lengthening, a stretching out, an enlargement. And that is the prophetic word of the Lord. And we just appreciate your prayers again. Because there's another building that's come up. Because we have outgrown that community building. If you have not been down to the community hub, you need to come down. We have actually outgrown that community building. We don't want to get rid of it. We still want to use it because there's, useful, there's uses for it. But there's another building that's come available. It's right next door to the one that we're in. I have got to talk with the trustees, so I'm not, I am putting it out there because I just feel that I need to just say some things. It's, it's right next door to the building that we've got. There's other things in our hearts that we want to do for 2014, and we need the Lord's help because we don't have money set aside for this new building. But I get a sense in which God wants to lead us into this new building. We have a mortgage on the Mansfield building. And the mortgage lender said to us, you're not allowed to take on any more buildings, buy or rent, without our permission. So there's this new building. And, and, then, and then you know about the word of the Lord that... I just felt, so I'm praying over this this week. I don't want to digress too much, but I'm praying over it this week. I'm praying over it this week. And, and then in my daily reading, I wasn't looking for it. I, Isaiah 49, I put it on my weekly news. Verse 20, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. This place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. And I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm a, are we hearing your voice again? Because this is space is too small for us. I'd only said that on the Monday. This space is too small for us. So I just appreciate your prayers. Because we haven't got the money to, to enter into it. Even though I think we can negotiate a good rent. You may say, what we're going to do with it? Well, we do want to establish some businesses so we can secure the future of that, of that, of that charity. We want to open up, I've said this before, we want to open up homeless accommodation units. We want to have houses for men and for women. I'd like to set up a training program. We'd like to set a training program up for ex-offenders who are coming out of prison. Two things that they they don't get in prison when they come out. If you've ever been in prison, you'll probably have experienced this. It's hard to find a house because nobody wants to take you on. It's near on impossible to get a job. And most of the guys want to work. I made a promise to a man that I would do whatever I could to try and rectify that issue. I didn't say I could sort it, but I said I will do everything I can in the next 18 months to make sure that we do everything we can in Arena Church to solve your issue when I went to see a man in prison. So I'm keeping my word. So this will help us to do that. So if any of you want to come and talk to me about that, you've got any insight, then please, I'm open to that.
So we're talking about lengthening, you see. This is lengthening again, lengthening. But I knew at some point the word of the Lord in that, we can get, I can get lost in the lengthening because I love the lengthening, enlarging, stretching out. I love, who likes all that? Love it. Love it. And we can miss the second part to it, which I'll read again. Strengthen your stakes. Phil said to me, I was at an elders and was with the elders and they were just talking about the plans for 2014. I said, guys, I just want to say to you, and I need some more work on this, but I knew 2014 is a year of strengthening, not consolidation. Hear me? Not consolidation. Businesses talk about we're going to consolidate. Now, we are going to strengthen our position. Mansfield needs strengthening. We're believing for some strength to come into that. More and more, a strengthening of that presence, a strengthening of the stake. Ilkeston, a strengthening of the stake. 2014 is a year of strengthening, but we can see strengthening doesn't mean we can't enlarge either. Because it looks like we could be enlarging too. But we need to strengthen the stakes. Four things that Alan Hewitt, who is a great pastor, leader, teacher in the national context and also in Wales, um, preached this message and Phil wrote the notes down and gave them to me. And the four things that he talks about, the strengthening of the stake of a tent. First of all, number one, for those who like notes, um, stake pegs, they mark a place and take territory. And they secure and hold that place. So a tent peg will mark and place and take that territory. Number two, the, the tent pegs will determine the size of the tent. I'm not a camper. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't do tenting necessarily. I suppose I would. Caroline really wouldn't be interested in that sort of stuff. It's not because we think it's beneath us. Don't, it's just that I've probably never done it. And the other thing is I'm still carrying a lot of weight. So you can imagine me on a, oh, your back's just absolutely killing I was in a context with my brother and my dad, and we were sleeping on a floor somewhere. My dad and my, and my dad, he, he got on up all right. Lee were all right. I was like creaking like what one out. It was dreadful just sleeping on this floor all night. So I'm not really doing that, but I understand that a tent peg will determine the size of the tent. Number three, they support one another, the tent pegs. They support one another. And number four, they require constant attention because of storms and the ground. These are the tent pegs that are so necessary if we're going to, st- to strengthen the stake. But here's the key point. And this is where I want to get to. So in the last few minutes, this is what I want to concentrate on. To get the kind of structure that God is wanting to build and to come into the new perspective, God is wanting to understand this for your life and for us corporately, is that he wants to drive the tent pegs Deep. I'll say that again. God wants to drive those tent pegs deep. 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 God is wanting us to go deeper. God is wanting us to go deeper. You might say, Christian, I just came here for a just, I'm new, I'm new to church and I understand that. And just stay with me because God wants to do something deep in your life. The psychiatrist might have promised you an outcome and didn't deliver. Speaking to somebody today. 
want to tell you they weren't able to deliver because they're not God. And only God can do that deep thing in your heart and in your life. Only God. If you just submit yourself to God, then God will do something deep in you, even today. Even today. For those who've been on the journey of faith for many years, this is going to be very uncomfortable because I want to just ruffle you and I stir you. Because God is not happy for us to just remain where we are. And I'll come on to that in a moment. He's really not. He's wanting us to go deeper. He's wanting us to go deeper in him. And in deeper, there is all, always two things. There is a price and there is a reward. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke in chapter 5. Are you still with me this morning? Nudge the person next to you and say, are you still breathing? Are you still alive? Tell the person, cut that yawning out. I don't want any more yawning. Luke in chapter 5, we see a very, very fascinating story. Jesus, who was a non-fisherman, telling fishermen how to fish. Are you a specialist in something, and then somebody comes along and tells you how to do something, and they have no idea what they're talking about, how does that make you feel? Now, be honest now, how does that make you feel? You want to grab them by the flipping throat, if you're anything like me, and say, have you an idea? You have no idea what you're talking about. And this is the context. We read this, the, the, the gospel so hairy fairy. They were ticked off. They'd been out all night. Anybody done something all night and had no reward? And you think, I'm a bit fed up about this. This is my livelihood. I need to eat. I need to provide for my family. And nothing's happened. And then Jesus comes along. He might be the king of glory, but he has no idea how to fish. And he's telling me how to fish. Get in the story. Anybody ever get agitated when you're tired? Give me a wave if you do. You lie if you're not saying. We all do. We all do. We all do. These guys were tired. Everybody say tired. Tired. They They were sick and tired as well. And Jesus comes along in verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. He sat down, taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking in verse 4, he said to Simon, Now, Simon, put out into deep water. Oh, there's that word, deep. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. The inference to me is actually they were fishing in shallow water or shallower waters. And Jesus was saying to them, If you're going to catch fish, you need to go deeper. Hello? You need to go deeper. We know the story that as they went out and as they threw their net into into deep water, they caught such a huge, significant catch of fish that they had to call for other people to come along. Again, that was a prophetic word to us. And again, Terry Eckersley just confirmed that there were going to be divine connections that we were making and are making, that people are going to help us and we're going to help them to catch this huge catch of fish. Do Do you see... The fields are whitened to harvest over this East Midlands M1 corridor. They really are. You might not see it, but God says, open your eyes, see it. Open your eyes and look. Don't look down, look up. The sea, the fields, this is a new perspective. See the fields, the whitened to harvest. Those people you're invited, they're ripe, they're ready. They're going to receive Jesus. And some of those people, you say, well, they're the hardest people. God can do it. 
He can do it in an instant, suddenly, in an instant. They go from darkness into light. And we see this significant, huge catch of fish. Here's some notes here. You see, what was happening with these disciples, they was getting caught in the trap of what they knew. Well, they knew how to fish. And so they were living in past ways. We know how to fish. We know these waters. They were living from what they knew and how to do this. But let me tell you, God's ways and God's thoughts are much deeper and much greater than ours. And God is wanting to do something new and bring a new perspective to Arena Church into your life. The answer was not in the shallow waters. The answer was not in just a little bit of more water. The answer was where? In the deep. In the deep. The deep speaks to me of uncharted waters. You have never been this way before. You have never been this way before, Arena Church. So you are going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me. Did anybody see that Bible program last night? I know it was a little bit of cutting. I thought that was fascinating when the angel of the Lord came to Lot and they were, you know, why? You saw the old Taekwondo man again. He was he were there, you know, knifing and all this kind of stuff. But I was really impacted by it again because there was a statement, you know, almost like we, I think it was Moses who said, you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to trust God. Arena Church, we're going to have to trust God. We're going to have to trust God. Because God is wanting us to go out into deep waters. Most of us stay away from deep waters because it speaks of pain, suffering, and hardship. And that's true. That's why actually the Christian life is not for the faint-hearted. It really isn't. If you're on a journey to faith, don't let this put you off because actually it's the best place you want to be. You'll find fulfillment to life on this earth and in a life to come. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to, while I'm talking, ask Jesus into your heart because it's the only place, only life to live. But I want to tell you, for those who have been on the journey and are really serious about being on this journey, some older Christians here, just wave at me if you've had some pain and hardship and suffering and you've not understood why things have been happening. Give me a big wave. It'll encourage everybody else. Come on. Oh, my goodness. And we still have no answers. But I tell you this much. It's in the fire that gold is refined. It's through pressure that precious stones are extracted. Anybody been in, in a fire? I'm not talking naturally, but you've just felt like you've been in a fire. Anybody ever felt like you're just under severe pressure? It's at those times that God is working His purposes in your life. He's wanting to take you into the deep. There is a price to the deep. With these guys here, quickly... They said, go out into the deep waters. That says to me it was harder to get there. They had to do a bit more rowing. That's why most people stay in the, in the, in the shallow waters because they don't like hard work. If you don't like hard work, you need to read the Bible. The Bible says hard work brings a profit in all levels. We're going to be demanded more hard work from us 
than we've ever known before. We've had a real miracle this, this, this week. We've been given, or about to be given, 15,000 Venetian blinds. 15,000. If you just average 10 quid on each blind, or just throw some wasted out, there's 100 grand's worth of stock there, given for free. You guys are going to have to buy them if you want them, because it's going to go into the community. Okay? But you'll still be getting a deal. I think I said to Anne, I said, we've never had where money has just dropped in our lap. There's occasions when that's happened, where money's, God always, how it works with me, and there's some other entrepreneurs around here, it's always been the harder way. I'm in awe of people who, you know, you hear them on television, well, God dropped a million pounds and this, that, and the other. I've always had to work for it. Steve's always had to work for everything. Some of you, you've always had to work for everything. It's out in the deep. It's more rowing that needs to happen. And that's why most people won't go there. Secondly, there is a price. These guys, there was a danger of drowning. In deep waters, they can't touch the floor. Can't touch the floor. And thirdly, in deep waters, that means rough waters. There are external elements that are outside your control. And that's why most people stay in shallow waters. But God is calling us as Arena Church to launch out into the deep. There's the price. There is a reward. Everybody say, oh, this is the good bit. Go on. This is the good bit. No, come on, do it. This is the good bit. God always wants to reward his people. And the reward was freedom, joy, and fruitfulness. I see it even from this story. Freedom, joy, and fruitfulness. There's a huge catch of fish. Can you imagine what that huge catch of fish bought? Great what? Joy. And remember what happened then? Was it Simon Peter who fell down at Jesus' feet and says, I'm an unworthy man. There was a freedom. He just knew that this, this was Jesus, the Savior. He was the one who could save me of my sin. As you step out into uncharted waters and difficult waters, there is always a price, but there is always a reward. And many people can look on at people who think they're enjoying the blessing of God, and they are enjoying the blessing of God, and it's as a result of them going out into the deep. So please don't start complaining if you're not enjoying the fruitfulness and the blessing of their life. They made a choice to step out into the deep. You didn't. I'm sorry I'm not a lot of jokey here, but I just need to deliver a word. Because God is wanting to take us deeper. And we must have this new perspective. There is a price. There is a reward. To go deeper, what do I need to let go of? You need to ask this question for yourself. For me to go deeper, what does this mean for me? What do I need to turn away from to gain? What is bigger than than God himself over my life? What is more important to me than God? This is what he's challenging us with, church, because he wants us to go deeper in him. And I'm not talking about taking a boat out into the middle of the North Sea to go deeper. There's, there's, There's a point in which God points his finger at every one of us and says, this is how for your life you need to go deeper. There are things that are more important to you than me. And there are some things that we must let go of if we're going to go deeper. Something happened to me two weeks ago as I was sitting in my car. I was telling the staff uh, this week, the the week that's just gone. I was in my car. There was a CD on. 
uh, because I've now got a new, new car with, a, with, with a, a CD player, and it's wonderful. My other car only had a tape, and that were jammed, so I couldn't do anything with it. And uh, so I've been listening to CDs, and it's been wonderful to be able to do that. And um, listening to this CD, and it was down on fairly low, but enough so you could hear it. But I was just praying to the Lord I was, as, as I was coming up this road just up here, um, Hina Road. And I was just saying to the Lord, Lord, and I was quite a way in towards Hina to get home. I was saying to the Lord, Lord, just really cried out, I want to go deeper. I need to go deeper. I can feel it now. The Spirit of God was just all over me. God, I need to go deeper. And tears began to fall down my cheeks as I just said, God, please take me deeper. And then the CD I was listening to, this is, I kid you not, I just was saying that prayer. Seconds, one, two seconds, that's all it would be. On the CD, the preacher begins to say this, you must go deeper. It's in the deep place that I will meet with you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The anointing you need, I want to have a look at it. The anointing you need is found in the deeper place. And this new anointing is needed to see the harvest now. That's what he began to say to me. I am impassioned about seeing people want for the kingdom. God was saying to me, if you are gonna, if you're gonna see the, these fields that are white and to harvest, you need a new anointing, Christian. And it's only found in the deeper places. You need to go deeper. Some of you have been on the same journey, at the same place, in the same pace. You've got to go deeper, friend. You've got to go deeper. You actually haven't. You can stay as you are. But I believe there are some people who genuinely want to go deeper. The starting point for going deeper is this. We'll read a story and then we're going to close. Because the starting point for going deeper is found in one place and one place alone, in our worship. Just flick with me to Mark in chapter 14. Mark in chapter 14. As you'll find in there, because of time, I'm going to start reading from verse 3. The starting point for going deeper is our worship. While he was in Bethany, verse 3 of Mark 14, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. And she broke the jar. And she poured the perfume on his head. And some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me with you. This woman, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is 2,000 years, and I'm, this, I'm, I'm bringing a memorial to this lady. 
Let me race through my notes very quickly. You're going to have to just listen to it because I want to get to the end of what we need to do. There's a number of things that I, if I was just taking this as a text for half an hour, we could really unpack. First of all, it was pure nard. It was the purest form of perfume. She offered the undiluted, authentic, most costly worship. She didn't water it down. Eastern custom demanded a little oil on the forehead of each guest as they were coming in. That her worship was deep. She knew who was sat amongst her. She knew who Jesus was. And she was determined to break the family heirloom and pour it on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because this is what he was, de- this is what he was deserving to the King. She embraced the cost personally. It talks about this pure nard. It would have been an heirloom. All commentators say it would have been an heirloom. Passed down from one generation to another. This speaks to me not only of financial cost, but sentimental cost. Could you imagine you holding something liquid form like that, that a great, 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 great grandmother way of handed down. You're holding something of such sentimental value. Some of you have got heirlooms. You'll never give them away. There's no value to it, but it's because it was your mom's. It's because it was your dad's. It's because it was your granny's and your grandpa's, yeah? Sentimental value. Not being, not being sentimentalist, but just a sentimental value. She had that. But it also talks about this was a year's wages. There was great cost to this. She embraced the cost personally and went deeper. Question, when was the last time your worship cost you dearly? Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. She gave her best. What affirmation from Jesus. He said, leave her alone. She's done a beautiful thing for me. She has gave of her best. Worship is more than songs. It's more than service. It's more than attending. These are all necessary. But we can get lost in the service. We're doing a thing for Jesus. And actually it becomes a thing for us. We can forget the worship. But I want to tell you, if you are a worshiper first, then you will serve And you will give, and you will help, and it won't be an issue. That's why people who don't give and don't serve, you're not worshippers. I'll finish with this. Because I see this woman, she was saying, I ain't going surface here. I'm going deep. I'm giving Jesus my best. If we're going to see the fields that are white unto harvest, harvest is going to be through people. Who are going to give her the best? Who are determined to go deeper? Something has been happening to me over the last couple of weeks. And yet I felt like my mind's been really battled, scarred, because there's all been kind of negative thoughts, horrible thoughts that have filled my mind. Don't, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but just terrible thoughts. All kinds of things fill my mind. So you need to know that even the preachers get these things. Please pray for us. So in the midst of, in the midst of, God's really speaking to me. I've had all these kinds of tensions, challenges going on. But a couple of weeks ago, it happened again. I was just another occasion during that week. 
just driving down the road just past Bellini's, that into Cotmanay. What's that road called? Church Street. My God. Driving in the car, honestly, the Spirit of God so hit me in the car. And I don't talk like this. So hit me in the car. I had to to get over to the side. And there was temporary traffic lights, wasn't there? I don't know whether they're still there. I had to get beyond the temporary traffic lights. I'm weeping, weeping, weeping. Steve said there was an occasion he was just praying for something. It happened again. That's why I was intrigued by it. I don't know what's happened. I was weeping. And I knew the Spirit of God was on me. Weeping before the Lord. I thought, if anybody sees me, they're going to think, what? I'm breaking up here. And I wasn't breaking up. I wasn't cracking up. But the Spirit of God was so on me. And then it all started coming together. Because I remember when I used to do this, when I was 18 and 19, I'd go and walk down the canal at Springfield in Milton Keynes. And I'd go and walk down that canal. And I'd walk down that canal. I'd weep and weep and weep and weep. It wasn't good stuff that was happening in my life. I was so hungry and urgent. There was an urgency in my heart for God. I so wanted God. I so wanted it. And then I realized what had happened. I've had occasions since that time. But I lost that. That's what's happening. I said to you, Phil, what was happening? Because I get deeply moved by the poor and the needs of the poor. But this is more than that. I just knew something was happening in my heart. There's an urgency again, gathering pace in my heart. An urgency. An urgency for God. For me to go deeper. I say this again because my mum's here. Me and my brother, she'd come into our room. I just think, what's that noise? Because we shared a room, we had bunk beds. We'd both be speaking in tongues while we're sleeping. But you need to get urgent for God. God wants to do something deep in you again. Deep in your heart. When was the last time you spoke in other tongues? I mean, really called out to God. And then Caroline tells me two weeks ago, I woke up. Sorry, guys, for this. I woke up again. I just woke up in the morning. I'm speaking in tongues as I'm waking up. She says to me, what was all that about? I said, I don't know, but it was happening again to me. Spirit of God just on me while I'm in my sleep. I'm coming out of my sleep. Now, you won't find that in the Bible. But I want to tell you, it's real. And what it is, it all boils down to this. Over this past month, the urgency is heightening in me. It's heightening in me to go deeper. I need to go deeper, friend. God wants to take you deeper. Some of you, some of you won't want to go deeper. Some of you don't want to go deeper. I want to encourage you to go deeper. And we do it through our worship. We do it through an urgency. We do it through a desperation. 
that nothing else matters and nothing else counts. This, these kind of messages, not because I've preached it, are powerful. If God really begins to grip, it, grip our hearts, then we will see this area turned upside down and changed inside out for the glory of God. I wonder if we'd stand to our feet. I wonder if the musicians would just come and join me on the platform, please.